Are you concerned about the air that you're breathing, especially with increasing air pollution? We all know how vital indoor air quality is, and here's where Puro Air steps in to make the difference. Did you know that indoor air can be up to 100 times, 100 times dirtier than the air outside? That's where Puro Air comes to the rescue. In just 30 minutes, this revolutionary device can transform the air in your room by removing allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases. But what sets Puro Air apart is its cutting-edge HEPA-14 filter, a powerhouse that tackles pollutants at a microscopic level. And it's not just me saying that, Puro Air is backed by scientists from both Harvard and MIT. I personally loved having a Puro Air purifier. I feel like I can breathe again, especially after battling congestion for like the last month. Winter can be tough, but within an hour, it was crazy. I could feel my sinuses beginning to open up. I slept through the night without coughing, and I've been sleeping so much better now that we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom. So check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on Home Threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit HomeThreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Swedish death cleaning is removing unnecessary items and preparing your home so that your loved ones aren't burdened by them after you pass away. While the book that made it famous in 2017 The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning by Margareta Magnussen focuses mostly on people who are in their 60s or, as she says, when the time is coming closer for you to leave the planet. There's no reason why we can't start today as younger moms who don't want to burden our spouse or partners and loved ones. One question. If you were to die tomorrow, what would your loved ones have to do? Here to walk us through the practicals of this question is writer and fellow minimalist Emily McDermott. Emily will answer questions such as, who is death cleaning for? How long is this process? Should we tell our families? What are the lessons we can learn from this culture? And more. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to ask you if you've enjoyed my new book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity. So far, I've heard wonderful feedback, and I've been really blown away by all your positive responses. If you've recently finished or are about to do so, would you do me a huge favor and leave a review on Amazon? It helps other readers find the book and it prompts the publisher to print more copies to keep it in stock. Thank you so much in advance for your time with this. I've included an easily accessible link in the show notes for you. As for my minimalist moment of the week, I recently finished the book, The Nature Fix, Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative by Florence Williams. Someone had recommended this book after listening to me talk about the benefits of nature 
on, on a previous episode of the podcast. For some of you, you're not inclined to love the outdoors. I would say that growing up, I was actually not a huge fan of being outside, but there's something about, I, I guess, the stressors of adult life or just appreciating the beauty of being in nature. There's something to be said about stripping away any type of multitasking, whether it's talking to someone with you or on the phone or listening to music in a podcast, just taking in the scenery, breathing in the air, and just really focusing on the feeling that you have while you're in nature. Florence goes into a lot more detail on the research behind all of this. It's so fascinating. One of the things that she mentioned is that five hours in the woods a month can significantly alleviate symptoms of depression, as well as the fact that just smelling certain pine resins can boost your immune system, and that's measurable. So... While I do sing the praises of this book, I will say that sections are a bit dense, but it's really fascinating to just kind of go through things that you already know, but there is this foundation for those beliefs. So that's The Nature Fix by Florence Williams if you're interested in reading it. All right, so you probably hear the title of this episode and... (laughs) have some preconceived notion of what the episode will be like. And I promise you, I had this conversation a month ago. And as I was going back through editing it, I was really pleased with the content that Emily provided us. So sit tight. It may sound a little strange at times, but I promise you when you get to the end, you will have benefited in one way or another. So let's get into this conversation with Emily. Emily, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be back. I feel so honored. Yeah, I was thinking you were on the Real Minimalist Mom episodes that I used to do. I want to say, I think you were one of my first ones that I had. So it's good to talk to you again, because that was, I think, a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it was right at the start of the pandemic, if I remember oh, correctly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the time has been ridiculous for the last yes. couple of years. So it's all, it all feels like a blur, but anyways, I'm glad you're back and you're here today to talk about Swedish death cleaning, which some listeners may be familiar with the term, but they don't know the details, I guess. But before we get there, why don't you go ahead, reintroduce yourself to listeners and we'll get started. Sure. So I'm Emily McDermott and I'm a wife and a mama to two boys that are almost four and five. And I primarily write, I uh, do blog posts about minimalism and simple living. I'm also a poet. So I do a lot of poetry on the side and also have a course um, called Moms Overcoming Overwhelm for moms with young kids. So that keeps me a Keeps me pretty busy and just love the community of minimalist moms that I've met, including you, um, through Instagram. And I'm, you know, pretty active um, chatting with them about how to simplify our lives. So I love talking to um, other moms about that too. Yeah, I wish there was a way that I know that people do conferences where they meet other creatives in the same space, but it just seems like how do we get all of us together that that would work for all of our schedules? Because that would be really fun. Yeah, and nap times and everything. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) All right. Well, Swedish death cleaning, that sounds kind of scary, but Mm -hmm. why don't you tell us more about it, define it, and um, maybe tell me more about where it originated from? Sure, definitely. So death cleaning, um, the Swedish term for it. So it it originated in Sweden, as far as I understand. And the first part of the word is do, I think I'm saying that right, (laughs) which is death. And then stadning is 
cleaning. So the concept is that you are removing unnecessary items by preparing your home so that your loved ones aren't burdened by them when you pass away. And that may not be something that we, as you know, your general audience, which are probably you know younger moms, think of. The author of the book, The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, uh, that came out in 2018. And it's a really short read, so I would definitely recommend it. But um, the author, whose name is Margarita Magnussen, she puts in there, it's kind of funny, she says that she's between 80 and 100 years old, which I think is kind of a funny way to describe herself. But she is talking about people that are kind of in their 60s starting to do this because she had to do it for several members of her family. Um, But honestly, I really think that there's a lot of application for of any age, anyone that just does not want to burden their loved ones once they pass away. Because I always, you know, pose this question, if you were to pass away unexpectedly tomorrow, what would happen? You know, what would happen to your stuff? Would your family know how to access your information? Would they know what you wanted for your funeral? Like all of these types of things we don't usually think about, but I think it's really important so that our loved ones aren't burdened by those decisions. Yeah. And with it originating in Sweden, I mean, I think that we have such a disconnect here in America with death and Mm -hmm. it seems like other cultures, obviously they don't like celebrate it, but I'm just thinking of even like the day of the dead in Mexico or just like, it's going to happen at some point. And so we have to face mortality at some point and why not do that while we're capable? I feel like it's a cultural thing and that's why it started there, but I'm hoping that this does catch on here. Yeah, I agree. I think that in general, when it comes to different, you know, cultures and how they embrace death, I guess that uh, American culture, we try to, you know, stay away from death as much as possible. I mean, when you think about someone at the end of their life, A lot of times you might think of being in a hospital, you know, this very kind of cold, sterile environment. Um, When someone passes, they try to get the body, you know, away as soon as possible. You know, there's all of these things where it's kind of like, even if you are in a hospice situation, which is a little bit different, it's not that people are talking about death or that that could be something that could, you know, happen, even though it is inevitable for everyone. And even people that I know that are more advanced in their age in their sixties and their seventies, some of them don't even have, I said like a will or something like that in place. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen? You know, I do think though, it is something that is worth thinking about and not um, avoiding because we really owe it to our loved ones to be thinking about this while we are still capable and we can even involve them in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I want to know more about what the process looks like. I'm thinking for myself as a minimalist, we just want to keep fewer things. So hopefully that will once we pass away, that'll be beneficial to the future. But yeah, I think that you can live in this mindset without even really being conscious of it. If you are pursuing minimalism. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, when you are initially decluttering, depending on your story, depending on your catalyst and your why, most of the time, you know, you're just kind of realizing that there's too much, you're overwhelmed. You're just trying to get through that first you know, what you might call the first layer of decluttering. Mm -hmm. And that is so important. So you can start to have the mental capacity 
to start thinking about, you know, some of these other aspects. So I don't think someone who's just kind of starting out with decluttering should necessarily dive into this. But if you've kind of gone through, you know, a couple of rounds of decluttering and you feel pretty confident about the things that you're keeping, uh, realizing it's not, you know, a one and done as um, kids are growing out of clothes and, you know, different seasons and so forth, then it can start being, okay, well, what are the things that I want to keep and why are they important to me? And if I were to pass, would my family members know why this was important to me? Would they be like, oh, would mom, you know, would she have wanted to keep this or does she not care about it? These are the type of things that it's important to kind of pass along some sort of information to your loved ones. Maybe it's the charities or nonprofits that you would want things donated to after you passed, or maybe it is a story around a sentimental item that then your children or your spouse can decide whether they want to keep something based upon that story of why it was important to you. Mm -hmm. So it does require a little bit more um, involvement and kind of that mental clarity. That's why I think it's uh, something that can be done kind of later on in the decluttering process. Absolutely. And you talk a lot about decluttering with purpose. And obviously that's what death cleaning is. So do you have, I know you have tips for me, so let's talk through some of these tips. Do you have five? I do. I do. Cool. So the first one, which I kind of alluded to is understanding, you know, what you want to keep and then making sure your loved ones know what you want done with them. So I created a very simple Google spreadsheet that I shared with my husband And some of the areas or some of the items were like clothing, books, furniture, sentimental items, um, you know, even like the, I don't have many physical photo albums, but like my photo albums, who would I want them given to? Maybe I would like to pass them on to my boys. And if they don't want them, what, you know, charities or nonprofits would I want them given to? For example, I put like my engagement ring and my wedding ring. Don't know if the boys... (laughs) would be interested in those, but that any like proceeds from maybe selling them could be donated to a a nonprofit of my choice. So that would be one idea. Also, a lot of times, and I don't know if you've experienced this, Diane, with your parents um, Mm -hmm. asking you if you want certain things that they have, and maybe you're like, uh, no. (laughs) And they're like, oh, okay. Well, I had been holding on to that thinking you would want it. But now that I know that you don't, that I can do something with it. Maybe it's a good idea, maybe for some of our listeners with older children, if you're holding on to your wedding dress for your daughter, who's, you know, I don't know, like 18. And she's like, yeah, mom, I don't really want that. It's like, oh, okay. So you're not keeping something thinking you'll pass it on when you could just ask the person if they want it. So (laughs) that's another kind of part of that tip. Well, and I think with something like that, if you really love your wedding dress and you're someone that feels such an attachment to it, uh, I am not one of those people, but if you feel that way, (laughs) yeah, I think you could take maybe some of the fabric and create something that you could gift to your daughter or your Mm -hmm. daughter-in-law in in the future. And that way you still have like a part of it, but you're not storing this big bulky item. And I'm sure there are other examples for other things that we hoard, like that we keep a hold of that are, that feel more sentimental, but you're absolutely right. I think about the things that my parents still own. And I had to go through, gosh, I guess this is a couple of years ago. We were going through some of my stuff from childhood and I'm just like, dad, I don't know why you're keeping this. Like we got to just, we got to 
throw it in the bag and not look back. And those are things that are out of sight, out of mind anyways. And so I think that it is easy if you just, even if you help your parents with this, if you're helping them, it helps, I think, break some of that sentimentality that can be really debilitating sometimes. Yes. Yes. And that's why you kind of hold on because it's like, well, maybe so-and-so would want this. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of the great things about doing this when you are younger is that, yeah, it's just a little bit easier to do that. So I like that idea too. Yeah. Just have a conversation. I think that you'd Mm -hmm. be more, I think you'd be more surprised than you think. All right. Well, what's your second tip? So this is not directly from the death cleaning book, but something I think is important, which is to have an updated will or medical directive. You know, there was something when I was doing this and my husband's in the military, so it's a little bit easier for us to get these services. I realized there was a cost involved and maybe in the new year, that could be something that could be budgeted. But one of the questions was, you know, if you were in a hospital and you were like unconscious, but you were pregnant, like what would you want done? I mean, things we don't think about, right? But it's important because you know you, you don't want your, your loved ones to be having to make those decisions when you are unable to do so. And another thing I know we were talking about a little bit before we started recording was including your children in your will. And if you're having more children, you know, just making sure that's updated to include them as well. So that's one aspect. And also I keep my passwords in something called 1Password. There's lots of different password uh, programs, but I have a shared password vault with my husband. So if I were to pass unexpectedly, he would be able to access like my, you know, my banking information, my medical information, all of those types of important accounts where you want to make sure that that your loved ones are able to access that quickly if something were to happen to you. Absolutely. And I'll just stop us here. These can be really hard things to think about and to think through. And it's not always pleasant. It's not pleasant to think if we're in those positions, but I do think that there's a responsibility as adults Mm -hmm. that we have to start having these conversations. Most of the time, I think some of these things can be a one and done thing and you don't have to think about it again, but as unpleasant as it is, I just think about on the other side, if you hadn't had those conversations that it's going to be even more unpleasant because you're going to be grieving while trying to make these decisions. Yes, Yes, that is exactly right. And that actually kind of leads into my, my third tip, which is a little unconventional (laughs) and I realize this. But um, writing out your your eulogy or and or your obituary. So stay with me here because I know it's a little strange. And I actually do have a resource about questions that you can have if you're writing someone else's eulogy or if you're writing, you know, your own. Um, my grandmother recently passed away, and now she was 102. So it was something that we knew was going to happen at some point. Yeah. About a year before she passed, I had actually reached out to my mom and her siblings to gather information about her because 102 is a long, long life. There's a lot that happened in her life. And I had it all in a Google document. So when she did pass, all of that information, her biographical information, the things that we loved and appreciated about her, the memories that we had with her, that was all ready to go. And my family, who was grieving you know, the loss of their mother, didn't have to think through that. They didn't have to go through that in the midst of grieving. 
So that's something that I recommend also, you know, deciding whether you want to be buried or cremated, what you would want at your funeral. Like I, I've written out a document with the poems I would want, the music I would want. You don't want your bereaved husband to be like, well, does she like white roses? I don't know. Maybe she does. I, I don't remember what, you know, what color flowers she liked. You don't want to have them burdened by that. So I have these things as shared Google documents, and I would recommend just kind of putting some of this down, stories, memories, things you want to be remembered by, which is also a good intentional living exercise because you're looking at how you want to be remembered. And then that can be how you try to live your life today. So I'm a big fan of trying that as an intentional living exercise, writing your own eulogy. If someone's listening, I think that some of these things may seem a little overwhelming and that's okay. I think starting with the decluttering of your own home and maybe yes. starting with those basic conversations with your parents, that's a good starting point. Like you don't have to mm-hmm. go through all these more difficult elements that takes time. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm still in the process and I have, I started, I think about two years ago with just kind of some of the initial steps, mm-hmm. but some of them, you know, like my um, tip number four about scanning your physical photographs. Mm-hmm. I'm still doing that, yeah. you know, cause it's just like this process of, again, you kind of see your parents and they're like, my parents just moved recently. They're like, here's all the photos from your childhood. <laughs> I just kind of like dump it. Right. And you're like, Oh, okay. It takes a while. You know, we're, we're busy raising our families and doing other things to, to scan those. But the point is again, people having to go through your photos saying, well, who is this? And, you know, who's that in this photo? And is this important or not? You just want to be able to do that, not only in the event of your maybe, you know, death, but also if there was some sort of like flood or, you know, fire or something in your home, would you be sad if you, you know, lost any of these photographs? So that is a definitely a work in progress for me. Uh, but it's something that I know is important. So I try to really prioritize that. I think too, even if you don't scan all of them, cause I have like a huge fear of the cloud eventually going away or if like we're ever attacked, I'm like a cyber yeah. attack. I'm like, it's all gone. Um, but all that to say, even if you print just some of your favorite photos from each month, mm-hmm. that's nice to have too. Definitely. I agree with you. And kind of, I know that you've had um, an episode about um, photo and managing your photos and everything, mm-hmm. and um, also having it on some sort of external hard drive and, and, and like yeah. that. Yeah. Whatever you want to do to make sure that the ones that you want to keep are being preserved in some way. Um, that is, I think, one big aspect after you've kind of gone through, like we talked about the initial decluttering and kind of thinking about what you want to keep. Photos are kind of a big one, I think. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. 
Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and point your toes west. No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special, and Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite armoire looks. Looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash minimalist. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. All right. What is your last one? I'm looking at it right now and it's making me laugh. So this one is from the book and um, it is having a box or I have like a, an accordion file holder that is labeled throw away when I die. <laughs> and I did laugh too when I read that in the book. Mm-hmm. It's anything that is important to you, important enough that you want to keep, but no one else would really care about it. So for me, I wrote a novel in fourth grade that's like still on, you know, the notebook paper that yeah. I wrote it on. Yeah. Now, granted, I'm I'm 41. So that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have that because I consider myself a writer and it's something that I just am keeping the physical one. But I don't need anyone to keep that, you know, if I were to yeah. pass away. You know, just those types of things. And then it's not like a, oh, would she have wanted to keep this? Was this important to her? You just kind of have go ahead. I give you permission to throw this away. And uh, hopefully you've decluttered enough that those are things that are important to you. It's not like a whole room full of this stuff, but having like a folder or a shoebox, And then that way your, your loved ones don't have to uh, have to think about that. Absolutely. These are all really great tips, but would you just say decluttering with, with a purpose? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say that's the first step to all this. What I guess, how would you guide someone that's listening if they're feeling really overwhelmed by all this information? Yeah. Yeah. I always think that doing that first round of, okay, I realized that, and I know that you um, talk about this on the podcast and also in your book and everything. It's like, okay, what's broken? You know, what's not working? What doesn't fit? The kind of that, that low hanging fruit with everything that you know that you don't want to keep. And getting that out however you see fit without trying to be too, I would say, you know, concerning yourself too much with it because you need to have that breathing space. And once you feel like you have that, sometimes people might stall out. They might be like, oh, I don't know, decluttering. It just, you know, takes a lot of motivation and energy and it does. But maybe this concept of the death cleaning, that is sort of that purpose. That is the reason you're, you're looking at your family and you're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want them having to figure this out. I don't want them having to go through it. It's my responsibility. So what can I do in little bits, you know, to help them with that? So it may be kind of just that catalyst to keep going 
um, and having that why that is motivating you after you've done that first round. So you're not feeling so overwhelmed, but you're still kind of keeping that momentum. Well, Emily, this was, like I said, a really meaty conversation, but very necessary. And again, I think that we don't have to be so overwhelmed by it. Just start with simple conversations and just start with decluttering your house. And that's a great first step, especially um, for your own kids one day, which again is kind of morbid. But I, I think that on the flip side, like we said, if you don't have these conversations, it's going to be a lot harder for someone else at some point. I think I wanted to share I don't, did you share your quote that you had? It was, oh no, I will. Yeah. Because I think that it's something, this is actually directly from the book, The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. Do not ever imagine that anyone will wish or be able to schedule time off to take care of what you didn't bother to take care of yourself. No matter how much they love you, don't leave this burden to them. And it's like, Okay, then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this again, woman does not play around. You know, she's like, this is it. Don't burden your loved ones, period. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, loud and clear. Got you on that one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I can take it better coming from her because she's this, this sweet little old lady. And I'm like, yeah. okay, all right. But it, I mean, it is really intense, but it is, it's true. So have that perspective in mind, but don't feel overwhelmed. Just slow steps, as I always say, slow steps. Yes, yes, definitely. All right. Well, Emily, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online? Sure. So I'm most active on Instagram. I'm at simple by Emmy, E-M-M-Y. I also have a blog and some free resources there. I also have been doing uh, every Wednesday evening, doing a minimalist moms meetup on Instagram live. I've really enjoyed it. Just talking to other moms that you kind of follow on Instagram and being able to share our tips about simple and minimal living. So that's the best place to find me. Great. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what is a resource that has been beneficial to you? And that can be anything in regards to simple living, but also if there's just been a book that's really been life-changing or a documentary, whatever, I would love to hear it. I would say that the Minimalist Mom community, which is on Instagram, that has been an incredibly helpful resource. And I've made so many like-minded friends and also learned about a lot of different books and resources and things that have helped me tremendously on my minimalist journey. And um, Kelly, this uh, simple home mom who I know you've spoken to before, she kind of leads the community and is just like this wonderful no judgment zone of women in different phases of motherhood that are all trying to figure it out just like me. So I really appreciate that online community. Yeah, that's a great resource. I'm glad you shared that. All right. My last question is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Okay. This one might be a little strange, but intermittent fasting. (laughs) And the reason yeah, without any kind of um, health recommendation to anyone, uh, this concept of fasting in general, right? It's just so beneficial when we think about it in terms of other areas of our life. And I used to be someone, you know, even back in the summer, I was eating every two hours, thought that if I didn't have a snack that I would like pass out or something and realizing that your body has what it needs, you know, and and using that concept in other areas of your life, you know, like, do I already have what I need without feeling like I need to have extra, extra stuff or, um, 
extra things to, to help me in this area of my life. So I found a lot of parallels with the intermittent fasting and the one book I read that started it all for me was called, um, I think it was called delay. Don't deny. And I feel like that concept delaying rather than denying is something we talk about when it comes to shopping or when it comes to other, you know, areas of our life. So I, I don't know. I'm just really a big fan. It's really changed my life and it's had so many other applications. Yeah, absolutely. I love the idea of applying that mentality to other areas of our life. And I really like that you said, delay, don't deny, because I've had to convince Mm -hmm. people in my life of that too. Cause I, I, I don't do it to a T, but I really do enjoy intermittent fasting as well. And I think that one of the things I read about it is that just how overfed we are here. And when I just even think back to history, it's like people did not have food nearly as accessible as we do now. And so it's going to be okay. Yes. I really like that. All right. Well, Emily, again, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a great conversation. Yes. Thank you so much, Diane. And I just really appreciate everything that you're doing for this community. And I will give another, you say hashtag shameless plug. I don't Uh think you have to even put the shameless. It's just like, it's your book is wonderful. And I I keep recommending it to people that I know. So um, yeah. So that's just something I'm just really appreciative for what you're doing in the community here. Well, thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. What did you think of the episode? I'd love to know your thoughts. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com and there you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.